I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Lone Star House of Design, produced and distributed by the team that brings you Convo by Design, with another story about design and architecture from the great state of Texas. I had a fun chat with Allison Crawford, founder and principal designer of her eponymous firm, Allison Crawford Design. Allison is a highly praised Austin-based designer with a truly unique background and a story about design, business, and real estate. Allison is active in design and real estate investment. She is both creator and entrepreneur. I truly enjoyed this conversation with Allison, and I hope you do as well. This is Allison Crawford. So I'm thrilled to talk to you. I'm really excited to do this. You know, this is the, I'm not a designer. I'm not an architect. I'm just a, I'm just a fan, right? And, um, I started doing the podcast about seven years ago. My background's in brand development, so I've I've produced design houses. Um, I've I've worked for I, I work for a magazine now that that does home and design, um, and I and I just I've always I've always loved it. So for me to talk to people like you, it's just really exciting for me. I absolutely love this. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to be talking to you, and thank you for reaching out. Yeah. No. Ab- absolutely. Um, this is actually the first. I, I get the feeling that this is what you feel like when you start a brand new project because while i've been while i've been doing the podcast for a number of years i'm actually starting something new with this uh in lone star house of design i've been doing southern california for so long but i lived in dallas for nine years and i happen to know what a remarkable design environment texas is and i don't think it's it's thought of that way is is that fairly accurate I agree. And I think that in the past few years, we've been seeing more press from Dallas and Austin and some Houston interior design firms. Um, And, uh, you know, I live in Austin. I have Hotel at Dallas, Hotel at Austin and Hotel at Nashville. So I'm in those three markets a lot. And I've just seen them really explode over the past few years. Um, obviously Austin has been getting a lot of attention for the past, I don't know, five years about being a cool city and, um, Dallas is becoming cooler and they're getting more makers and both of the cities have design week now, which we haven't always had, you know, things that you have in LA that we are just now kind of doing, like we don't have a big, like legends in LA. We don't have that in Austin. But we're getting there by having a design week and um, we're getting cooler shops and more vintage. So it's really exciting. Um, I've lived in Dallas and Austin and all over the East Coast. And I really love Austin because I like that they are Austinites really support female owned businesses. You know what's really interesting? I, I like you. I love Austin. Here's one of the, and and it's not just because it's a little weird, because it, it is, <laughs> in a great way. But here's what I love about, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about specifically Texas and how Texas is so different, right? It's very much like California. We have Northern California, Southern California, but. Texas, I think people just sort of lump it into the the great state of Texas and it's so big, but it's so different. Austin in particular. Austin is one of those really special environments that respects the past 
and also has an eye toward the future. If you look at the architecture of Austin, and I was there, I was there recently. I do a I do a driving trip at least at least once every couple of years, um, and and spend a fair amount of time in Dallas, Houston, Austin, uh, San Antonio, and, and everything in between. Austin really does. It, it, is there an active community that looks after the significant architectural design? aesthetic and has a priority to to build new but also respect the old for sure and i think a lot of that goes um is because we are the capital city and ut is here which has you know 50 or 60 thousand undergrads which creates a more liberal environment than some other texas cities and so the vibe here is a lot different than it is in a Dallas or Houston without being political. <laughs> um, and there we have historical associations and very strict city rules and regulations about tearing down trees and new buildings. I mean, it's a lot harder to get things passed here than it is in Dallas. And I can say that because I've worked in both cities. Um, it's a lot harder to get to go to the city to tear down a building or to even remodel is more difficult here. And it's because they want to preserve the integrity of the city and the architecture, which I which I appreciate. Yeah. And I think that they've done a remarkable job of that. Now, to you, here's what's interesting about you. You you really do have a, a vast and diverse background. So you got your B.A. from SMU, mm-hmm. which, by the way. SMU is one of those schools, too, that is is so neatly tucked. It reminds me of UCLA. It's very neatly tucked inside a a, a great community in Highland Park. Um, did you enjoy going? To, did you enjoy that experience at SMU? I did. I loved it. Um, but I do want to note that I wanted to go to boarding. Um, I wanted to go to I went to boarding school in the Northeast and I wanted to go to RISD for college, Rhode Island School of um, Right. Uh, design and I my I really wanted to go and my mom uh, my parents were like no you need to have a traditional college experience and so I wanted to be an interior designer and go to art school and do all of that and my parents were like no I think you should go have a traditional college experience so why don't you take this test and we'll see what you're really good at so I took this you know, 500 question test and my top professions when I was 17 years old were interior designer, uh, landscape architect, chef. (laughs) So it's a creative for sure. (laughs) Advertising and like something to do with TV. So very artsy. And then advertising was the most business-like in my parents' eyes. So they're like, you know what? we're really going to nudge you and really support this this <laughs> advertising career. And I was 18. I mean, I, you know, I, I was like, yeah, they were my role models. They are my role models. And so I'm like, I think that sounds great. It's a good combination of business and creativity. And keep in mind, this is like 1998. So that was before you know, before female entrepreneurs were taking off and before that was a thing, really. 
And so I went to SMU and I got a degree in advertising, but you know, it's really, it's really helped me knowing business and advertising and public relations has helped me with marketing my firm. Yeah, no, and I, it's also, I'm sure it did it's the client side. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. But it's funny too, cause then you sort of made up for it. What's up with the studying Gothic lit? Oh yeah. So, was that a kickback? Was that a total kickback? <laughs> so that was, that was, um, we studied a lot of Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I really wanted to go over to Europe because I hadn't been to Europe yet. And that was my excuse for my parents to pay for me and to get some credit, some hours. So we went over, a girlfriend and I went over and studied at Oxford University, which is I mean, probably the most prestigious school in besides Harvard in the world. And, um, and studied there. <laughs> and during the day, we would go and study Frankenstein. And then we would go to the pub on campus and drink beer with British guys. Oh, my God. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so fun. I think I gained 20 pounds that summer. <laughs> Because we would eat, we would eat um, Italian food because the you know the Brits aren't known for their food really, so we'd eat a lot of Italian food and pizza and poutine, which is a French Canadian classic food that is really bad for you. Um, <laughs> so that was my first that was my first European experience. That is um, that is so great. Okay, so then. You bounce back again, and you get you get focused. You come back to New York, NYU, uh, interior design. Right. So that was I was doing taking uh, interior design classes at NYU on the weekends and at night. And during the day, I was selling copiers and fax machines on Wall Street. Wait. Say so that, say I, that again. <laughs> I was. So I can't even say it with a straight face. I know, right? (laughs) I was selling copiers literally on Wall Street, walking up and down Wall Street in a full suit right post 9-11. So the the security was really tight. And I was in my pantyhose in full suit in the mid-2000s, like 2005-ish. like breaking into buildings because sneaking in past security because I didn't have appointments because we had to knock on like a hundred doors a day, which is very difficult post nine 11 on wall street in the financial district. Oh, next, next to impossible because of the security (laughs) at the, at the base of every building. I mean, it's like serious security. That's that's amazing. And during September, I bet it was incredibly pleasant in a suit. Oh, it was. You know, the summers in New York are awful. Everyone complains about the winters. Winter, fine, whatever. You get a little depressed because (laughs) the sun sets at four. No vitamin D. Summer, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the summer, it's so hot, and taking the subway multiple times a day when it's. You know, the rats come out. I mean, I just uh, think, and no one's there because everyone goes to the Hamptons, but I was selling copiers, so I couldn't like go to the Hamptons. <laughs> okay. So, um, but so, so here's what, here's what we've established right now. 
you know, there's there's sort of that that right brain left brain thing where you have two two personality types. You have the creative type, and then you've got the business type. You you really do straddle both. You are you are a hybrid of both, and I find that really interesting because you know you you describe yourself as as this. I mean. Good Lord, you're, you wear a lot of hats. You're a real estate agent. You're an investor. You're a designer. So you, you describe yourself as an, a designer and an entrepreneur. And, and you, you truly are. And that sort of leads into how you built your practice. For sure. And I think that I um, part of the reason why we've been successful is because I do have the business side. Right. And when you're working with, in t- especially on with Alison Crawford Design, when you're working with um, clients that are high level executives or celebrity types, they want a certain level of professionalism and they want it to be run like a business. And so I try to run Alison Crawford Design as as you know, a law office or a CPA office so that everything is streamlined and people know that this is a real profession. This isn't just like my little side hustle. This is, I want to, customer service is a huge um, part of our culture. We want to over deliver and over communicate with our clients because they are most likely hiring us to take care of everything. Yeah. So th- that is, that is the premise, right? Full service design. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people will call me a, you know, men in construction will just think that I'm like a color picker, but there's so <laughs> much more, <laughs> there's so much more to it than that. And we really value great, extraordinary customer service. So let me, let me actually back up a second. Cause I think you, you touched on something really important and, and I, I hate to, I hate to stereotype. I really do. But having lived in Dallas and having worked with, with the trade on the construction side for as long as I have, do you, do you have issues getting, getting past the female owned, not just a color picker, you know, that, that you, you know, your stuff top to bottom and you know what you're looking for and you know what you want from the trades. And sometimes, and again, I do hate to stereotype, but sometimes with, with the trades, you know, men in construction, it, it can be an issue for women sometimes. It is. And I try not to let it bother me. Um, and I also try not to get super defensive about it. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause it doesn't help. I mean, so how, do, it doesn't how, help for me to come unglued on them about it. So how do you get around that? And, and does, and does, to, and does that go back to the business side of it where you realize that, you know, everything's a negotiation. For me, it is about knowing how much I've accomplished and how I run the firm and, I just try to keep putting one foot in front of the other and try to represent female entrepreneurs the best that I can do. Because for me to come out and say, oh, you're, you know, you're treating me that way because I'm a woman isn't really going to, most of the time, and all, all the time, it's not with the client, it's with a third party, it's with a vendor, it's with someone in construction. And so I don't want to... Um, ruffle feathers in front of clients. Sure. But at the same time, so if I do say something, it's behind closed doors and you know, it's my choice 
to leave that project. Right. And at the same so time, that's on me. Yeah. If and it, I feel like it's so bad, I just leave. And there are some people that I won't work with. And there are some contractors that I won't work with because they don't deliver on time and they don't deliver a product that I can be proud of. So I think one of the big things with interior design is finding those vendors. That takes years to create those relationships. Boy, that is so true. That is so true. And I, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I, I think that's one of the truly overlooked details in, in design. And, you know, many times you'll have someone who you've seen this before. Someone will, will design their own house or the house of a friend and then go hang a shingle. It's like, Hey, I was really good at this. People like my style and my aesthetic and I know how to pick colors and I know how to do this and I know how to do that. So they hang a shingle and they go want to be a designer. And then they run into a buzzsaw when they do actually get that big client who has expectations. Right. You know, and, For sure. and part of that really is having the experience and having the chops and, and having been doing this for a while to be able to, to pick your trusted vendors and to pick your trusted partners so that you know that they're going to deliver in the same way that you do. It's huge. Right. And to get those um, vendors to show up because right. so that vendor is probably going to work with me over another firm that that doesn't have as many projects going on because we're in a really competitive marketplace right now. And there's a lot of construction in town, a lot of pe people redoing their houses. And so there is, um, we have a, a supply and demand issue with these vendors. So you really have to give these people a lot of work so that you're in the front of the line at all times. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I want to get back to that in a second. Um, I wanted to ask you about Hotelette. Tell, mm -hmm. tell me about this. So I love to travel. I've been all seven continents. I love real estate. I am a licensed um, realtor. I don't really practice, um, but I think it's important information to have when negotiating deals. Um, and I love interior design. And so I was at Legends in L.A. in 2016 and sure. we stayed at an Airbnb and in West Hollywood. And I, that was my first time staying at an Airbnb. And I was kind of like, mm, this is weird. We're staying in someone's house. It kind of sounds like <laughs> their cat. Their, their refrigerator is full of oh, condiments. Yes. Like, this is kind of gross. And I thought to myself, why isn't there an Airbnb chain that is in multiple markets that has high design like boutique hotels? So I did a little research and there wasn't anything like that. And since I am a real estate investor and I think that real estate is a good investment, I, I, um, and I had a friend that had an Airbnb in Nashville and he was telling me that Nashville was booming. It's like, what um, Austin was 10 years ago, you got to go. And I'm thinking, oh, Nashville, you know, I'm more less into country, more into hip hop. I don't know if Nashville's really my scene, but I ended up going and loving it. And I was under contract for a house within about two weeks. Oh, wow. No kidding. To, I know. I thought it was going to be a year process. And I had a really great agent that knew the, um, that got this house for me before it hit the market. It's a, 1930s craftsman, four bedroom, 3,500 square feet. I mean, it's just amazing. 
So started there, ended up moving to Nashville for a few months to redo that. And then we opened Austin, Hotel at Austin in 2017, and then Dallas in 18. But it started because of my passions for travel, uh, real estate, and interior design. And I wanted a place that people could go and experience my personal interior design style. So when you're first getting into interior design, people want are hiring you because they want their style in their house and they're hiring you to make that style happen, right? Yeah. So but you you own you own these properties. I do. So mm-hmm. how how does the back end work? Because you also have to fulfill bookings. Oh yeah. I mean, I have a I have a whole team. Oh, you do. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes, I have to. I mean, between Hotelet and Allison Crawford Design, I have to. Um, and we're growing. We're moving into a bigger office. We're growing the team. Um, I have a booking manager. I have someone that handles the marketing. I have someone that helps me with the shop, accounting. Well, um, it's it's funny because the the back end stuff, I totally I totally get. For me, I would think you know, the tr- the trouble is how hardly used. Uh, properties like that are, you know, people come in and they play hard, you know, when they're on, oh, va- when they are, they're on vacation. And now you're talking about having a really well-designed place where, where the, the, the fixtures are higher end, the, the, sur- the surfaces are higher end, the, the details are higher end. You know, the design is, it, it, if a tile is cracked, it kind of throws off a whole design, right? So you have that responsibility where, where you have to maintain the aesthetic and, in something that's that's so so challenged, like how hard they use it, how do you? I'm just I'm trying to run through keeping something impeccably designed for that crowd. So we replace a lot of things often, and yeah. things happen. Like people will steal little things, nothing major, but do they? People will really? Oh yes, yes. People do. People do the strangest things. I, I guess mean, I shouldn't I can, be surprised. I mean, I can tell you some really strange stories about guests, but I'll save that for a different a different day. See, now um, I know that's all I'm going to be thinking about now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this hidden it's this hidden part of my life that I can't share because um, Right. No, I get it. it it's bad press. Yeah, no, I get it. I get <laughs> but it. But I was thinking if I ever came out with like a memoir, it would be behind the scenes of running an Airbnb. Oh my gosh, you totally have to do that. A horror stories for oh, you totally have to do <laughs> I that. Know, at some point. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, you do. Yeah, you do. But um, but you know, back back to the 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 maintenance and the design. And here's the other thing. When you design for something, tastes change, trends change. How do you you know, you you have your design style. At the same time, when you're when you're dealing with different people, and you you almost have to stay true to not trendy but trending ideas in design. How often do you have to do a refresh? How often do you have to do a, a changeover? How often do you have to paint the walls? How often do you have to you know with with something like that? It's 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 tantamount to a rental, is it not? Right. Oh, right. For sure. I mean, there t- we have someone, we have groups in all of the houses every single weekend and then weekday guests about 50% of the weeks. Um, so we're always replacing sheets and linens and duvets and painting. We're painting a lot. 
um, because I love bright white walls and I prefer flat paint and that's really hard to keep yeah, clean. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the beauty with, with like, with trends is that I get to go in and redo rooms. So I'm going to be doing, redoing some of the rooms at hotel at Nashville and Austin this year, which is only going to create more content and more for, uh, photos for the portfolio and keep things fresh so that guests are like, oh my gosh, I haven't been to Hotel at Nashville. I need to go back because I haven't been there in a year and see what they did in the guest room or, you know, I just, I'd like to keep it fresh. So this is, and uh, this is also a branding play for you. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's, I've gotten so much press for Hotelette that I would not have gotten if it was a a regular interior design project. A, because I could take risks and really represent my personality and my design style. And B, Hotelette is a is an idea that I came up with that no one else is doing at the level that I'm doing it across different markets and houses that I own and manage. And now I have the hotel at shop. So when people go in the houses, then they can go home and say, oh, my gosh, I have to have that pillow. So it's like an online gift shop. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, it's funny. I didn't even think of that. That's genius. Now, here's a question. How many how many properties do you currently? Three. You, OK, so when you do a refresh or you do a redesign, do you do you reshoot? So I'm going to, we actually haven't done it yet because I mean, we've only hotel at Nashville opened in 2017. So we haven't really redone any of the rooms, but my, one of my initiatives for this year is to redo a room every month and get all of the footage and the content to take videos and before and after photos. Oh, genius. Yeah. So that people can follow along on Instagram and with my newsletter and YouTube. And then have you figured out yet how you turn how you turn that into um, new business on the design side? Um, yes, because like I said, I've gotten so much press, Architectural Digest, El Decor, Domino, for Hotelette, which translates into being in demand for interior design. So smart. Now, do you also have partnerships with vendors and product sponsors yet? So I have been working on that. <laughs> and that is something that we're launching in 2000 and this year, 2020. Oh, really? Um, eventually, I would like to do a furniture line. I would like to do a collaboration with CB2. They don't know that yet, so I'm just going to put it out in the universe with you. Oh, that you know what? That is smartly done. Absolutely. <laughs> well played. I'm, I'm speaking at a CB2 <laughs> event this quarter, and hopefully that goes really well, and then I can get in, um, get in with them. So let me back up a second because I have a, I have a technical question for you. Would you prefer to do to do your own signature line, or would you prefer instead, now that you have this platform, to do a marketing partnership or a brand development play with 
with a company that has their own case goods, pillows, sheets, because then you don't have to go through the hassle of trying to create it and trying to manufacture it and trying and trying to be the one who is solely responsible for the aesthetic, you know, for the idea and the creative. And then you're also not worrying about when somebody ultimately comes in and, and steals it and makes their own. You know what I mean? There's just such right. a difference between using your platform to market somebody else's products and, and going the, the full route and creating your own. How do you think, how do you, how do you navigate that? So in my opinion and where I am right now with, um, with a lot of balls up in the air, I think that, um, having a brand to partner with that handles the manufacturing and the ordering and the returns is a better play for me right now in 2020. In the future, we might roll out an exclusive line where I find a manufacturer that can build everything, but that's a different animal and I'm not there yet. Cause that takes a lot that takes away from interior design that takes away time from um, me going in my speaking engagements that takes away time from my family. I mean, I have a five month old. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> so, you, yes, I know, and, exactly. and, and you know what, by the, by the way, uh, not editing that out because I think it's really important. You know, that's, that's part of the life of a, a creator. And a creative person is you have part of the, you know, what's so important and what's so intrinsic to the success that you have is that you have to figure out your own way to navigate all of the challenges, obstacles, successes, failures. You have to figure that out for yourself. There's nobody there to tell you. And, And having life in the middle of business is not easy. And I think that's what most, I mean, listen, I've been doing this for seven years now or six years in our seventh year, I've done over 250 interviews. And that's what I find is that the hardest part is being able to manage life and being able to manage the time. And when someone like you, super creative, business-minded, you want to keep pushing new ideas out there. At some point, you have to decide, I can't do everything that I want to do. You have to prioritize. Exactly. And I think that has taken um, several years for me to figure out and listening to a lot of podcasts, reading a lot of books, um, focusing on self-growth to realize that and to realize what my top priority is and prioritize different things in my life and realize that I can't do everything with a small team. So it's either I do everything and take on everything and, and start hiring a ton of people or do what I really love, keep it a little smaller and bring my baby to work once a week. Yeah. Well, and is it, is it also fair to say that you, you can't do everything right now? Right. I can't. And when you say yes to something, you're saying no to a bunch of other things. That so is, when you that is so yes, true. Yeah. For when you get a yes from me, I am committed. I'm going to show up at 110%. Like today with our podcast, I had heard your podcast before, but I wanted to come in and I wanted to be knowledgeable of all of your past episodes. So I binge listened to them yesterday 
And that takes time. It does. So I wanted to show up for you 110%. And so if, if I couldn't do that, then I would have said no. But I wanted to, this was a priority. And then some other things aren't priorities. And so I just say no. I think as women, it's really hard for us to say no. But you have to. I mean, you're going to dr- drive yourself crazy if you don't. Do you think that's more of a gender issue than a individual creative issue? Well, I think it's both. And I think that women naturally are people pleasers. I'm a people pleaser. I want everyone to be happy. I don't like conflict. I don't even like watching conflict on TV. Like, I don't like upsetting people. I don't like awkward situations. Um, I avoid conflict and I want to say yes to everything, but I just can't now. And having a baby has really taught me time management skills and that I can't say yes to everything. Yeah, not if you want to be able to do everything at the level right. that you want to be able to do it. No, that's totally true. And it's interesting. I, I question for you. O- over the years, I started asking some very pointed questions. And what I have found is that in in the design and architecture space, primarily here in Southern California, the amount of time that creatives are spending on their on their business is about 115 to 120% of the time that they've allocated for it, which, which means that you're, you're spending, you know, 15 to 20% additional time that you've allocated. That time comes from something else, right? It's a zero sum game. If you, if you have to add more time at work, it's coming from family. It's coming from the yoga class that you want to go to. It's coming from looking for real estate properties in Memphis. It's come or Nashville. It's coming from, you know, different things that you would like to be doing. Do you find that for you too? Or have you found, is that, is that a struggle? Is that fairly accurate? Or is, is your story a little different? No, I think that that's completely accurate. And it goes back to, you're saying yes to one thing and you're saying, that means you're saying no to 10 other things. And I think it's about having, um, realizing what is really important to you. For me, um, my family is coming first and my husband and my baby and then and then work and sometimes work comes before my friends because I really like to work I love what I do I love creating I think that I am making a difference in this community and I love mentoring women and I love showing women that you can do you can own your own company you can make a passion like interior design your living you can um develop these business skills in a boys club, you know, that you can do all of these things. And, um, I, I like to set that example and I like to set it by my actions and not necessarily just words. And, and sort of jumping back to the design side for a second, what would you say, what is the state of design in Texas? And I, and I say that it kind of with the experience that I have, you know, I lived in Dallas for nine years and Dallas is a really interesting market. One that you know well, because you work there is you have, you know, you have Highland Park and you have the M streets and you have certain areas, Oak Lawn, you have certain areas with, with, you know, architecturally significant properties, right? You have Fort Worth, which has way more. But again, if you drive through Dallas, 
you know, just driving through in a car, you see brick, 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 right? You don't see, <laughs> you don't see a lot of different style. And because there's so much land, it just keeps moving outward, right? And, and I don't, I don't recall having a, a sense of design style, architectural significance, but then I've also spoken to designers in Dallas and in Texas who are starting to change that. And you seem like one of those people who is, is interested in kind of changing it. So I'm curious, what, what is the, what is the style, not to nail it down to one particular design or architectural style, but what is the sense of style in Texas and where do you see that going? So I think that Dallas, um, leans more traditional than Austin. And I did a little bit of design work in Dallas a few years ago when I was living there and ended up moving back to Austin. I've moved to Austin three times. I ended up moving back to Austin because my clientele was here because they were looking for something different. They weren't looking for the same into design as their neighbor. Cause in Dallas, um, a lot of people hire who their neighbor hires. And in Austin, people want to be different going back to the, you know, keep Austin weird thing. Yeah. People want to be different. They don't want the house next to them. So people hire me because they don't want run of the mill. They don't want it to look like their neighbor's house. They want something a little more art centric, um, which is great. And then I go to Dallas to get a lot of vintage. Um, the, the Dallas market there is really good. The art scene in Dallas is fabulous. Yeah. So there are things that I do go to bigger cities like Dallas, um, or high point market to, for things that Austin doesn't have, but Austin's just a little more quirky, which goes with my vibe a little more. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, quirky is an understatement. And it's funny because I don't, I don't say that it's, it's not derogatory at all. I think, um, you know, Austin is, is truly a unique American city and you, you know how you can tell that there's a, there's a passion and a pride and it's not just sixth street and it's not just UT and it's not just Congress and it's not just the bats and the people go out and watch bats every night. It's that, <laughs> it's that it's all of it combined. When you walk through downtown Austin, you, you'll see, you'll see a, a, a residence, a single freestanding residence, you know, and then, you know, 30 steps away, you'll see a high rise and you could tell that it was purposeful. It wasn't, it didn't happen by accident. You know, and For there's sure. and there's a pride there too because you don't see dilapidated properties in 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 downtown Austin. You you no, there's areas sure, but it's there's a there's a certain amount of care taken, and I think that you know something like that. It's it's deliberate and it's purposeful. For sure, and I love over the past few years that we have had a lot of um, California Californians move here. A lot of New Yorkers are moving here. Um, and diversifying the population and raising our, our real estate prices. Well, but, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait. So I could, you know, it's so funny, the business side, raising the real estate property, property values. That's great. Right. But by the same token, you know, living, living in LA outsiders are the ones that changed LA. And so is there, is there a fear and have you seen an impact <laughs> from outsiders coming in and changing. That's such a good point because, you know, most people in LA aren't from LA. No. 
Um, no. And it's like Austin. There are very few people here that were actually born and raised here. But you that is a really good point. But I like that people are bringing different styles. And if I wasn't working in Texas, I would probably be working in in the L.A. area. Would you? Yes, even though it is a little oversaturated with designers. Well, um, so, yeah, but per capita, I mean, it's a it's a far bigger space, too. So you have mm-hmm. you, you have more. And, and it's funny because when pe- when people think of L.A., they think of one city and it's cer- mm-hmm. it's certainly not, you know, L.A., County is tantamount to 45 different boroughs. You know, you have 45, 46 different cities and all have their own feel. You also have Orange County and Inland Empire. I mean, you have a lot. In Texas, what, I, what you have is really interesting because Austin is, is fairly, is siloed, right? You, now, you have interesting areas. You have Bee Cave. You know, you have um, Round Rock. You have, um, and then further out, you've got, you know, you've got Fredericksburg. But that's, those, nobody would ever say that they're the same thing. Right. You really know your your Texas towns, huh? When you drive through it as often as I have. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because from an, an, an advertising, I, you know, my 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 previous life was in broadcast and I used to be the uh, regional DOS for um, ABC radio. So WBAP in Dallas. Uh, and so I used to travel to Houston. I had clients. I would travel to Houston, Austin, San Antonio. I'd go once a month. And you do that, you do that trip often enough. At some point you say, okay, you know what? I'm not just going to fly in. I'm actually going to drive there and see what's what. And you know what I learned is you have an incredibly fertile territory for picking and for finding vintage and for finding really cool, unique things in a, in a, in a relatively uh, untrafficked area. Do you do that? Mm-hmm. Oh, agreed. I totally agree. Um, we have great estate sales. Um, I mean, I, I agree. And you can go to the small towns like Wimberley, which you probably know in Fredericksburg. Yeah. Great, get great antiques for next to nothing. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, agreed. So listen, this was really fun. And I, I really do appreciate the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm cognizant that somebody coming in from Southern California to talk about design and architecture in, in Texas, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of an odd conversation, but having covered LA the way I have and loving Texas the way I do, I see a lot of similarities. And I, and I just think that it's, it's on the, it's on the verge of absolutely exploding. Um, Oh, I agree. And I'm glad to hear that from you. Um, I, haven't really thought about it that much, but I love going to LA to get inspiration and the resources there. Um, and the scene there, the design scene there is in my opinion, for me better than New York or other places. You know, it's not just sort of restart the engine a little bit, but I totally agree with you. And I think what's really interesting is I've always had sort of this, bias against New York, um, per- particularly because of like AD in particular. And, you know, their, their AD 100 every year comes out. And you can't tell me that 80% of the world's greatest designers all come from New York City. I'm sorry, but I just, I, you can't tell. <laughs> I don't buy it for a second. Um, that being said, I don't think you have to look at the size of a metropolitan area to judge the standards for what can be considered quote unquote world-class. And I, I think that, 
you know, Dallas, Houston, I would not consider world-class design destinations. LA, I would consider a world-class design destination. Austin, I would, I would consider, you'd have to put it in consideration for something that is world-class. And I, I think it's not because not enough people go and not enough people look at what it is and, and, and take advantage of what's there. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I never thought about the, what you said about AD and I love New York and I lived in New York, you know, when I was selling copiers and, <laughs> um, and I love the atmosphere. I just, these days I'm just really drawn to the design that's coming out of California. It's, so but funny. I do, it's funny I you say it's funny. like Ashley and Roe who's out in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I I'm inspired now by what's coming out of Austin. So I, I think uh, we're, we're part of this mutual admiration society and I think it's great. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time to interview me and you're a great interviewer. Uh, you're kind to say that I appreciate it. And I, um, this was, this was great. Thank you for the time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Allison. That was so much fun, and I truly appreciate the time. Please, subscribe to the show so you catch every episode of Lone Star House of Design and Convo by Design. Ask Alexa or Siri. Simply say, hey, Siri, play Convo by Design, and she will. You can follow the show on the socials as well, Convo by Design with an X on Instagram, and check out our YouTube channel for videos of some of your favorite episodes and conversations. Thank you for listening, and until next week. Keep creating. Mm-hmm.